Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. More Christians have died in recent years than in the entire history of the Church of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that God is still in control. Further, what do we expect? As Jesus' return draws near, the Bible tells us that evil and lawlessness will increase. We can't react in anger or fear. We must continue to have patience, be encouraged, and live godly lives. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on April 28, 2019. All right, time for our Prophecy Update. I want to talk with you today about what I would argue is the undeniable fact that Christians are the most persecuted people of faith in the world, and it's getting worse. Doubtless you know about the massacre of Christians in Sri Lanka that took place on Resurrection Sunday last week. That last report, the death toll had reached 253 Christians, plus many more that were injured. Even yesterday, as I was preparing the prophecy update for today, the breaking news was this uh, Poway, California synagogue shooting, where I guess a 19-year-old went in and killed uh, one young lady, and then I guess there were others who were injured. What I'm hoping to do today is address this matter from a prophetic perspective, then perhaps more importantly, talk about our response as Christians. I'll begin with this CBN news article about how in spite of the warnings emerging of new Sri Lanka church attacks that global Christian persecution is still obscured. Here's some of what it had to say. Last Sunday's bombings were one of the world's worst terrorist attacks, but there's still a sense that Americans don't grasp that Christians around the world are so targeted. In fact, the New York Times ran an opinion piece this week asking this question. Listen to this. Are Christians privileged or persecuted? Doug Bandow, an analyst at the Cato Institute, answers that question writing, 
Christianity's dominant role in American culture has obscured the fact that it is the most persecuted faith globally. I want you to hang on to that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but certainly this is true for us living here in Hawaii, and I'll explain why I say that. We're sort of insulated and isolated. And it does seem that we're so far removed, too far removed from what is happening to our brothers and sisters in Christ in other places around the world, particularly in the Middle East, where I'm from. My Arab brothers and sisters are being martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ by the multitudes. The statistics bear this out, and I'm certain you've heard these statistics about the persecution of Christians being more in the last several years than it has been since the early church 2,000 years ago combined. More Christians have died for their faith in recent years than in the history of the church of Jesus Christ. Try to get your mind around that. Yet here we are in America, certainly here in Hawaii. I don't say this to beat up on anybody. I mean, it just is what it is. Let's be honest. Let's face it. We have it pretty good, don't we? The freedoms that we have, even this church, this beautiful church building and property that we have, that God gave us by His grace. It's a a miracle. What a blessing. It is a blessing that is foreign to our brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world. You know, they they meet, they have to limit the numbers because otherwise they'll draw attention to themselves. They'll meet underground in obscurity when they get together. And when they worship, they have to turn up the AC in order to drown out the lifting up of their voices. They have to come at different times so it's not all at the same time. And they have to come together again so there's no attention drawn to them. They have to meet in secret to worship the Lord, because if they are found out, that's it. They're dead. They're beheaded. They're killed for their faith in Christ. You know, I've said this before, and I I guess now is as good of a time as any to say it again, and I, I don't mean to say this to create any kind of a condemnation on us, I include myself in that, but where you find the church of Jesus Christ growing and thriving and on fire for Jesus Christ today are in those areas where the church is persecuted the most. You want to grow the church? Persecute the church. We have it so good We have it too good. And it is true, I believe, that the fact that Christians are the most persecuted people in all of the world is obscured here in America and certainly here in Hawaii. Fox News, to their credit, had a segment on the rise of anti-Christianity around the world, noting the number of recent attacks just in Africa. These are attacks 
on Christians. I don't want to take the time, I don't have the time to go into this today, but I think I'd be grossly remiss were I not to point out that the attacks against Jews and Christians come chiefly from Islam. This because the Qur'an commands, commands, it's a command, to the Muslim to strike terror in and kill the people of the book, the Bible. People of the book are the Old Covenant Israel, the New Covenant, the Christian. Jews and Christians. I suppose it should come as no surprise, according to this Arut Sheva report, that the Islamic State has claimed responsibility for the Sri Lanka bombings. Notice I am not referring to them as ISIS, the acronym, nor will I ever refer to them as ISIL. And here's why. First of all, when you use an acronym, you gut out the true meaning of what it is that you're saying. When I say ISIS, you just kind of say, oh, okay, ISIS. Wait, wait, wait. No. This is the Islamic State of Iraq and the greater Syria the S. Islamic State of Iraq and the greater Syria. Former President Barack Obama emphatically stated that the Islamic State was neither Islamic nor a state. Do you remember that? And whenever he would refer to ISIS or the Islamic State, he would always say, without exception, ISIL. Il. What's the L? Wait, I thought it was ISIS. No, no, no. The Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. Why is that important? Because the Levant to the Muslim is verbatim the borders of the promised land given to Israel that includes Syria and Iraq, Lebanon in part, my birthplace, Jordan, Egypt, and the whole area that they refer to as the Levant is Israel, the promised land. You see how subtle that is? Every time, and I used to, for all those years, I had such a hard time, because I know the truth, and so do you. And this was a very anti-Semitic subtlety of saying that there's no Israel, and it's the Levant. It belongs to Islam. Well, on Monday, the Washington Times, this is a really good read, and I would really encourage you to read it in its entirety. It's a very interesting, well-written article about Obama and Hillary Clinton and their anti-Christian response to the Islamic massacre of Christians in Sri Lanka. Quoting the Times, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton avoided using the word Christians while commenting on Twitter about the horrific attacks on, yes, let's call it what it is, please, 
Christians on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka that left hundreds dead and injured. Instead, still quoting, the ex-pres and former Secretary of State called the victims Easter worshipers. That's not just strange and unnatural. It's a political calculation. Here's what Obama tweeted. The attacks on tourists and Easter worshipers in Sri Lanka are an attack on humanity. On a day devoted to love, redemption, and renewal. Oh, sounds so nice, doesn't it? We pray for the victims and stand with the people of Sri Lanka. And Clinton wrote this. On this holy weekend for many faiths, Wait, wait, wait. What? Uh, Islam does not celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Buddhists don't celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many faiths. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's only one faith. There's only one way. There's only one way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to the Father except through me. Muhammad did not die for me. Buddha did not die for me. In fact, I can go visit where they're buried. They're still there. I'm sorry I'm yelling. I just... uh... So, again, quoting on this holy weekend for many faiths. I'm sorry. We must stand united against hatred and violence. I'm praying for everyone affected by today's horrific attacks on Easter worshipers and travelers. Oh, they were just tourists. Still quoting. My gosh, people. It was an attack on Christians. It was an attack on Christianity. Calling them Easter worshipers is a political ploy designed to tamp down realities of radical Islamic terror, targeting of Christians and Christianity. And by the way, these are true Muslims. They are being obedient to what the Quran commands them to do. I'm going to turn a corner and talk about something that I just violated. (laughs) If you're anything like me, and I would suspect that many of you are, you're just as prone as I am to react with anger. I mean, I always try to couch my anger in terms of righteous anger. It's a righteous anger. Yeah. Oftentimes we react with anger because we're full of fear. Think about that. The anger is the reaction because we're fearful. And fear can also lead to discouragement, which oftentimes can give way to despair. If this is an apt description for how you feel when I share what I just shared, or when you watch the news like I do every week and see on your news feed things as incredible as this, well, I have some good news. And I need to practice what I preach when I say this. 
But we need not react in any of these ways, in these the last days. I don't see anywhere in the Scriptures where the Apostle Paul or the early church got angry at Rome, protested Rome. I mean, they were under Caesar. I mean, we're talking about a man that was so demon-possessed that he would cross-dress and ride around in his chariots with his homosexual lovers, and he would burn alive Christians by pouring this hot tar and wax on them and lighting them on fire and right around the chariots screaming, Where are you now, O light of the world? I'm speaking to myself. What was their response, these persecuted Christians in that day? I want to suggest three. And the Lord has ministered these truths to me and encouraged my heart in a powerful way. He's kept me in check. I have to again confess that when I find myself just getting angry and how could you say such a thing? I'm reminded of these three truths. The first is to be patient. The second be encouraged. And the third, and this is the one I want to spend just a little bit of time on, be godly. Let's start with be patient. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. That's interesting, isn't it, that It almost seems out of place. He's talking about being patient until the Lord comes back, and then he says, by the way, stop grumbling against each other. Stop backbiting and gossiping about each other. Whoa. You know why? Well, he's going to answer that. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job, and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. If you're here this morning or watching online, and you're really struggling and going through a very difficult and painful trial, I want to encourage you with those who went before us, like Job in particular, who said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He said to his wife, who told him to curse God and get it over with and die, he said to her, shall we only accept good from the Lord and not bad? Yeah, but you say, Pastor, I I don't know how much longer I can hang on. 
I'm hanging on by a thread. I just don't know how I'm going to get through this or endure, endure this. I want to encourage you because the endurance is found in the very trial that you're going through. I wish there was another way, but you need that strength and that endurance to get through what you're going through. Guess what? You get that endurance and strength by going through what you're going through. There's no other way. The only way for you and I to get through those painful trials in our life and endure them to the end is by going through them. And key word, through. You know what my uh, favorite words in all of the Bible are? It came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. You're going to get through it. Oh, but I want God to get me out of it. No. Here's the thing. If He gets you out of it, you're going to have to retake the test. Oh, I hated retaking tests. I took a lot of tests a lot of times when I was in school. I want to pass the test. I want to get through it and endure it because the endurance that I need to get through what I go through is found in the very thing that I'm going through. You're going to get through it. You're going to make it. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know the situation seems perilous and hopeless and you're helpless, but God. Remember that from Philippians? Where, did, where do you place your B-U-T? Secondly, be encouraged. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18, my favorite passage in all the Bible. I know I say that about every one of them, but this one in particular, the Apostle Paul writing to the church who thought they missed the rapture. They were so discouraged, even in despair, because of their loved ones who died in Christ. They thought, what's going to happen to them? So Paul says to them, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him, speaking of death. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep in death. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be, two words, caught up. In the original language of the Greek New Testament, it's the Greek word harpazo. In the Latin, it's the word rapturus which transliterated is where we get the English word rapture. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday 
here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's prophecy update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this prophecy update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s prophecy updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this Prophecy Update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.